This week, let's talk about why we must get rid of complex language, jargon, gobbledygook and the passive voice if we want to engage more customers. And I mean this in all industries, with a particular nod towards the emerging Web3 space. This week, it's just me and the mic, and this is episode 286 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This podcast is all about marketing your business and growing your business and for talking about all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a consultant, speaker and trainer from Edinburgh, helping you keep your marketing simple. Welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. This week, however, it's just me and the mic, and I want to talk about a subject which I've been passionate about for almost my entire marketing career, and that is the elimination of complexity, both in language and in product proposition. But before we get to that, a quick shout-out for my book, Listen, if you're putting together a marketing strategy and you want to keep it simple and you want to keep it simple as your business grows, then my book, Cats, Mats and Marketing Plans, might just be the book you need to read. As it says on the tin, it helps you put together a simple marketing strategy. And as this podcast today is about keeping things simple, it's never been more relevant. You can buy the book from Amazon, either as a hardback, paperback, or as a Kindle edition. All you need to do is go to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash book. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash book, and you'll find all the links you need to buy a copy. It helps support the show. It helps get the word out there that keeping things simple is the best way to engage customers. And I'd be really, really grateful if you'd buy a copy. Okay, so complex language, jargon, gobbledygook, and the passive voice have long been barriers to customer engagement and understanding, actually across all industries, particularly in the financial services industry in which I've worked on and off for over two decades. But never... In those two decades, have I seen such a depth of impenetrable language as I'm seeing surrounding the emerging Web3 space. Script writers for sci-fi shows like Star Trek used to be the masters of coming up with totally meaningless techno babble that actually sounds plausible within the narrative of the show, of course. But these script writers are total novices compared to the wordsmiths crafting the language of Web3. Have you seen any of this stuff? talking about NFTs and DAOs and wallets and on-chain and off-chain. Just listen to this piece of copy that I came across with reference to the Web3 developments. It says, Are you interested in DeFi? We've investigated a few new paradigms for in-game economies and realised that a bottom-up build is the only way to achieve economic interoperability. Top-down is too tradfi. If you want to string together multiple transactions, including beyond baseball card NFT minting, then that approach both on and off-chain at both DAO and wallet level is the only way forward. I had to take a great big breath after reading that out. What does it mean? Well, it means nothing to anyone outside of the Web3 bubble. 
And that's going to be a big problem when Web3 finally starts to offer proper customer propositions. They really need to think about how they're going to articulate their offers to the public, to the customer, in plain English. Or the people on the street will never understand it, let alone buy it. And whilst Web3 seems to be the hottest topic going at the moment, I very rarely see anybody within the Web3 industry talking about the language that they use or even acknowledging that the language they use is so complicated that it's going to risk alienating the ultimate customers that they want to attract. So why is language in marketing so important? Well, think about it this way. Whichever industry you work in, whether you manufacture cakes, motor cars, or financial services products, there's language, jargon, and science unique to that industry. When you work in your industry day in and day out and become immersed in that language, you become fluent in it. It's the same way you would learn French if you lived and worked in France. It's easy to forget that people outside of your industry aren't fluent in your language. In fact, they probably don't even know the basics. But over time, it's easy to believe that because we are fluent in the language of our industry, everyone else is too. But someone who's never been to France and didn't learn it at school is unlikely to understand French. Think about it. If somebody doesn't work in your industry, doesn't understand your products, they're not going to understand the language of your industry. This has always been a problem, and as I said earlier, this is going to be a major problem for Web3 once it starts to offer proper, thought-out propositions and tries to attract its customers. Let's look for a moment at the financial services industry. It's still littered with management speak, complexity, bloat and jargon, perhaps not to the extent of Web3 to be honest, but it's still there. Despite some solid attempts over the years to root it out, we've not really succeeded in eliminating it completely. Despite some solid attempts over the years to root it out, we've not succeeded in eliminating it completely. In fact, it's been a personal crusade of mine throughout my career. And I can trace my obsession back to a project where we received negative feedback from a focus group on some literature we were producing. You know the sort of scene, you go into one of those research establishments where you sit behind a one-way mirror and you can see the people in the room talking about your products but they can't see you. Well, we'd put some literature in front of a group of people and wanted their feedback on the language and the attractiveness of the product. And the feedback was pretty bad. They said it was full of jargon. They didn't really understand the proposition. They didn't understand the offer. And as a result, they would be very reluctant to buy it. Now, as a result of the feedback from that focus group, now, as a result of the feedback from that focus group, we decided to rewrite the literature in a simpler and chattier style. But once we'd produced that simpler and chattier style literature during the sign-off process, some of the higher-ups in the company decided that the chattier style and the simpler style did not sound, and I'm using finger inverted commas here, didn't sound professional enough and insisted we revert to the bloated and jargon-filled versions that the focus groups hated. As you would expect when the product was launched, the customers were alienated by the complexity, they were alienated by the language, they were alienated by the jargon, and the product launch wasn't successful. Since then, my red pen has been at the ready. Let's look at the two main targets for that red ink, jargon and passive language. And we'll start with jargon. 
I'm going to look at this with reference to protection insurance. And this phenomenon definitely affects protection insurance. The products are already quite complicated. And in the industry's desire to build better products, especially in the critical illness sector, we've added more conditions, partial payments and add-on options, swelling the product literature with pages and pages of technical medical definitions. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to make products better But in doing so, complexity increases. Whilst we in the industry, who work in the industry, might become fluent in that added complexity, our customers won't be. And once again, we become victims of thinking that our customers understand our language. The fact is they don't. And if they don't understand the language, it's going to make them less likely to buy. Or at least it's going to make it harder for us to convince them to buy. The second target of my red pen is passive language, which can make the words we use even less engaging than the complex jargon. It's bland, and it often strips out the humanity from words. Now, of course, politicians use passive language all the time, because it also strips out accountability. Politicians will say, mistakes were made during the pandemic. See there how the passive language hides the responsibility. Don't you want to know who made the mistakes? The statement was, mistakes were made during the pandemic. My natural reaction is to say, well, who made the mistakes? So the active language equivalent of that statement would be, we made mistakes during the pandemic. That's much clearer. It's more human. It's more honest. But it also leaves no doubt as to where the responsibility lies. And of course, that's why politicians don't use active language, because they'd have to admit to their mistakes, wouldn't they? Over the years, I've tried rooting out jargon and passive language with varying degrees of success. As well as the wins, there's always been someone playing the, and here go those air quotes again, professional card, or compliance or legal people convinced that simpler language was going to leave us exposed in some way. I've seen other companies tackle language with equally variable results. That's why I was delighted to see the recent launch by Holloway of their simplified income protection product under the heading My Sick Pay. They haven't just simplified their income protection offering, they've also taken their own red pen to any bloated copy, technical jargon, legalese and passive language in their literature. I don't think I've ever seen anyone go as far as they have. But the result is easy to read and easy to understand. Advisors and customers will appreciate the clarity, but most importantly, they'll find it engaging too. And that's the point. We really do have to focus on simplifying the language we use to make it more engaging for our customers. As always, I've focused a little bit on the financial services sector in my arguments, but this applies to every industry, whether you're manufacturing cars, cupcakes, whether you're a marketing consultant, a management consultant, or a protection insurance company. Language is important, and that's why I really think that the emerging Web3 space needs to take a long, hard look at itself and ask itself, once we start to create these propositions and these offers, we've got to talk to our customers in language that they can understand. Otherwise, it's going to become a barrier to convincing the man on the street that Web3 is the way to go. So that's the challenge. Whichever industry you work in, remember, people don't understand your language. So you need to talk to your customers in their language. 
You've got to cut out the jargon and the gobbledygook. And actually, you've probably got to assume that they know nothing at all. If you're in Web3, don't assume that everybody knows what an NFT is and it's a non-fungible token for those who don't know. If you work in the protection industry, don't assume that people know what critical illness cover is. If you work in the mortgage industry, don't assume that people know what APR means. In fact, I've just given you the three rules that I use in my book, Cats, Mats and Marketing Plans, for putting together engaging customer communications and engaging customer propositions. The three rules are, first, assume your customer knows nothing. Secondly, Talk in the language of your customer, not in the language of your industry. And third, please don't use all the jargon, gobbledygook, management speak, mumbo-jumbo, and just plain muppetry. Only when we break it down to the simplest level possible will we create something engaging for the customer. And something that's engaging for the customer is going to make it much more likely that they will buy our offer, they will buy our products. And of course, that's what we want. Well, that turned out to be a bit of a rant, didn't it? But thank you so much for listening to the Marketing Finance Podcast. I'd be very interested in your own take on this. Now, of course, the caveat I should have said right at the start is that I don't work in Web3, but like everybody, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about Web3, about all these NFTs, blockchain, wallets, etc., etc. It just seems to me that this language that they use is so impenetrable, it's ultimately going to cause them a problem when they try to start selling their propositions to real customers. Let me know. Get in touch with me on Twitter at Roger underscore Edwards or get in touch with me on the website rogeredwards.co.uk. Thank you so much once again for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends and colleagues and consider leaving me a review on iTunes. Until the next episode, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.